Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. I think fans are frustrated with the situation. I think they kind of a pox on both houses, uh, us and Aaron. But, uh, you know, I, f- I think we've we've been in constant communication. It's obviously months, and, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that uh, we'll have it all resolved. That is Mark Murphy, the Green Bay Packers president, talking about Aaron Rodgers' situation. Packers have reportedly made concessions to ensure that Aaron Rodgers will return to play this season. The 2023 Aaron Rodgers contract, which is the last one in his current deal, will be voided. And no franchise tags will be allowed in the future. The Packers would agree to review Rodgers' situation at the end of the season. Rodgers' contract would be adjusted with no loss of income to give the Packers more cap room now. And mechanisms will be put in place to address Rodgers' issues with the team. If the Packers sign off on on the willingness to trade Rodgers and the agreement is finalized soon, that gives the MVP... The freedom to decide where he wants to play in 2022. So basically, adjust the deal. You play this year, and we'll get you out after that. And you'll know for free, for sure, you can walk in two years. And from the Packers situation, it may not sound good. Ah, they're losing Aaron Rodgers. But how long is he going to be elite? I mean, he's in his late 30s. Is he going to be elite at 40? Is he going to be elite at 42? How many years are they possibly losing? And somebody must think Jordan Love is an awesome quarterback because they traded up to get him. So if he's that awesome, play him. The best time to win a Super Bowl is when you have a young quarterback on his rookie contract and the money that usually goes to an elite quarterback can be spread across the rest of your roster. I give you the Kansas City Chiefs. I give you the Seattle Seahawks. Once Seattle had to pay their quarterback, then they're still good and they've been a playoff team, but and then back to the Super Bowl. But they got there twice while Russell Wilson was on his rookie contract. So play your rookie quarterback if he's that awesome. Even if he's not quite as awesome as your guy, well, your guy's probably gonna slip pretty soon. And you get to spend all that other money on the rest of the uh, the rest of the team. Ten women have now filed criminal complaints with Houston police about Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson, according to Watson's attorney, Rusty Rusty Harden. Eight of the women, according to Harden, are among the 22 who have alleged in lawsuits that Watson sexually assaulted them or engaged in sexually inappropriate behavior during massage sessions. Two of the women who have filed complaints with the Houston police have not filed lawsuits against Watson. Every situation is different. But I just can't help notice at the surface level that Major League Baseball has been putting players on leave, the Bauer with the Dodgers, and Watson, and there haven't been games to miss at this point, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with him as these lawsuits progress and the season starts up. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Oh, the acting, the charades. This is like Shakespeare. We all know the stories. 
What's going to happen to Romeo and Juliet? I have no idea. Let's go see the play anyway. SEC presidents and chancellors have scheduled a meeting for Thursday in which they will discuss expansion and whether to add Texas and Oklahoma. Well, of course they're going to add Texas and Oklahoma. That should be a Zoom meeting in about two minutes. No one's getting on an airplane for that, are they? That is a waste of SEC resources. You can stay in a five-star hotel. Why wouldn't you? There's no hotels as good as your own bed. I guess I haven't gone to the right five-star hotels. Maybe not. But Wait a minute. I haven't gone to any five-star hotels. I'm just saying. I need to go to accounts. a five-star hotel. Longhorns and Sooners could formally ask the SEC to consider them for membership as early as this week. Oh, it's a done deal. Stop with the charade. We know how this movie ends. At the end, I think the Grinch sings. I think that's how it works out. Oklahoma State President Casey Shrum said Monday the Oklahoma's intentions to explore leading the Big 12 are the results of months of planning with the SEC and a clear breach of the conference bylaws. In a statement, she called Oklahoma's actions strategic and deliberate. It's difficult to understand how an Oklahoma institution of higher education would follow the University of Texas. Those dogs. Those scoundrels. Those mutts. Those pathetic longhorns to the detriment of the state of Oklahoma. Shrub took over as president on July 1. Well, I will say they definitely were strategic and deliberate. I think we can all agree with that. Just as strategic and deliberate, but not mentioned here. How about the SEC? Yeah, I really think we should uh, build a different mousetrap for this playoff. Let's let in, like, six at-large teams. And we'll see if we can get all six of those spots. All right, just four or five. We'll leave one or two for the little people. The NCAA has settled a defamation suit filed by former USC football assistant coach Todd McNair, who had been accused of violating ethical conduct rules during its investigation into whether former Trojan star Reggie Bush and his family received improper benefits while playing in college. Sides ended a more than 10-year legal battle. A little mediation helped shut that down. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. So reading up on the draft, anonymous sources saying there will be more trades than ever. The picks are going to fly. There are going to be so many deals on draft night, your head is going to spin. And here comes the first one. The Pelicans are finalizing. Well, I guess it's not the first one because picks have already been traded. But here comes the first one of the week. How about that? The Pelicans are finalizing a trade to send Stephen Adams, guard Eric Bledsoe, and two future first-round picks, including the 10th overall pick in Thursday's NBA draft, to the Memphis Grizzlies in exchange for center Jonas Valanciunas and the 17th pick in this week's draft. Two teams that also exchanged second-round picks in this draft, while the Pelicans are including the Lakers' 2022 first-round pick, which is top-10 protected, as they look to make significant financial flexibility ahead of free agency opening next week. Pelicans think they're getting somebody. Who are they spending their money on? Who wants to go to New Orleans? And Portally will have up to $36 million in cap space now. Man, that isn't somebody who's just going to pass the ball to Zion. $36 million in cap space. You're getting somebody who can put the ball in the bucket. Who wants to go to New Orleans? Bledsoe uh, is going to make $18 million this coming season. So that'll help move things around a little bit. And uh, Steven Adams is pretty well compensated, too. So he's making $17 million. So that's $35 million in salary in the movie. Now, Valanciunas offsets some of that. I was going to say it offsets some of it, but funny enough, Memphis actually gets better with this deal, in my opinion, as well. 
Hence, they made the trade. Yep. Pelicans think they're getting somebody in free agency. It's really the, good. The Pelicans think they're upgrading. And you know, you can't talk to anybody until August. Okay, whatever. Now, they know they're getting somebody. Somebody's coming. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. The pitch. Line drive, right center field, base piece win. Dice rifles one up the alley in right center field. It's an RBI single, and the Bees walk it off against Las Vegas. And the 0-1 pitch flared into right center field towards the gap. That ball is going to land. Base hit Kepler. Maeda's going to score standing, and the Twins walk it off 6-5. Maez hits a fly ball. Cubs are going to win the ball game. Deep center field. Cubs win. Cubs win, and the Cubs win a remarkable game by the score of 6-5. to five. Cutch swings, hits it in the air to right. It's deep. Soto looking up. He's looking up, and it is gone! Yes. The Phillies have won it. Is Andrew McCutcheon on opposite field. Walk-off homer! 6-5 the final as Cutch has won it! I've never really gotten into baseball. You just have to watch the ninth inning to really know what happened. The NBA, the last two minutes, Major League Baseball, the ninth inning. That was a lot of walk-offs. That was a ton of them right there. It was a limited schedule. There were a lot of teams that weren't playing yesterday. Cubs 6-5. Cubbies loading the bases in the ninth inning. And Javier Baez coming through. You heard the Phillies there. Andrew McCutcheon, three-run homer, lifted Philly in the ninth. The Seattle Mariners. I follow Ian Furness on Twitter. We have him on the show once in a while. It's going to be time to have Ian on again. Football camps are going to open. He always fills us in on Washington, Washington State. Used to do radio here in Salt Lake. He was a PD who put PK and I together. No matter what anybody else says. Talk about the Seahawks. He was a PD. Yeah, Seahawks. And I follow him on Twitter. He was uh, following that game. He was like, hey, this is getting good. Mariners come from seven runs down to beat the Houston Astros 11-8. to Dylan Moore, grand slam in the eighth inning for the Mariners. So, oh, you also heard Minnesota winning in the 10th over the Tigers there. So, a lot of late excitement. That was the Bees walking it off against the Aviators as well. Uh, what you didn't hear is Shohei Otani. Seven strong innings on the mound through 99 pitches. His 99 pitch went 100 miles an hour. Then they pulled him from the game. And this is how baseball has changed over the decades. Nobody was going to get Bob Gibson when he was throwing 100 miles an hour after seven innings. Sandy Koufax wasn't coming out of that game. Angels bullpen finishes it off. They beat the Rockies 6-2. No homers for Otani, though. Had a broken bat single, and he struck out a couple times. One for four. There is the Major League Baseball. Oh, the Red Sox. Give them another shout-out. Not the dramatic five runs in the eight that they had to beat the Yankees 5-4, but they beat the Blue Jays 5-4 with two in the eighth. This time, the Red Sox blew 2-0 and 3-2 leads. But Alex Verdugo hits a two-run homer in the eighth, and the Red Sox beat the Blue Jays 5-4. We don't have Olympics in here, but uh, I just saw on the, uh, on the web here that uh, Simone Biles, some type of health issues, is pulled out of gymnastics. She had a tumble doing vault. It looked like she may have injured her leg or foot, but then the USA Gymnastics Committee said it was a mental issue that caused her to withdraw from the team event. Russia ended up winning gold. What is Trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up today, a little shorter show than usual because at 9 o'clock we're going live to Los Angeles 
doing away with your regularly scheduled program to bring you non-stop Pac-12 Media Day coverage live from L.A. Jake Scott flew down last night. Patrick Kinahan is already there, availing himself of some sand, some surf, some sun. But they're putting all that aside today. Some baseball. Some baseball, yeah. Putting all that aside today for the Pac-12 Media Day that will start at 9 o'clock, and I assume it'll go till 4 or 5. Interviews with coaches, interviews with players, everything you want all day long. And inevitably, you're going to miss some of it because you can't stop your life for eight hours. How? Well, many of you can't. A couple of you probably are. But anything you miss, you know, you're rooting for uh, one of the out-of-town schools because you're from Arizona, California, wherever. Well, I guess that leaves Oregon and Washington and Colorado, doesn't it? Uh, but everything's available at 1280thezone.com. So if there's a, a coach or player or team you specifically want to hear from or you just want to enjoy all eight glorious hours, it'll all be up at 1280thezone.com and wherever you get podcasts, like everything else that is locally produced on this station. Brett McMurphy, National College Football Insider and writer for the Stadium Network, will join us coming up at 8.30 this morning. Talk about all the realignment and the charades that the Longhorns, the Sooners, and the SEC are going to be going through. They're going to have a meeting Thursday. And they're going to discuss expansion. All right. DJ and PK, that's all coming up. Question of the day is on the way. That is next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30, presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON, on your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Zero Res. When you get the carpets cleaned, it's never just clean. It's Zero Res clean. Don't have it any other way. Just $33 per room clean, plus a fourth room free. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today by calling them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online by searching for Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. The question of the day, Pac-12 Media Day, the Pac-12 preseason football poll will come out today. Where should the youths be picked? Brent believes second in the South. Austin says second or third. Kevin congratulates us on a good question. Thank you, Kevin. I can sense your sarcasm. At least I think I can. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Craig and Nick with both of the very specific answer, third in the South and fourth overall. I think they're going to be two. New quarterback, new running backs, transferring in. Couple receivers transferring out. Okay, tight end, there's confidence. But beyond tight end... There's a lot of question marks about the youths, the skill positions, and how this is all going to fit together. The strength of their defense, the strength of the program in past years, the continuity in the coaching staff, I think they're going to be picked second. 
USC's got their quarterback back. USC's been recruiting better. USC brings in impact freshmen. USC's going to default to the top spot. And I think Utah will be second. ASU third, and the votes and the numbers will probably be close because there will be a lot of people who put ASU second. But for some people, it probably depends on when they actually did the ballot and turned it in. But with the news breaking that Arizona State, tight end coach is on administrative leave, there's plenty of speculation about other coaches. And you, know, you start losing your coordinators or head coach if anything happens midseason. Just how unsure everything can be. I think people are just going to default to ASU at third. Have they got the talent to win it all? Yes. I always say that this one, two, three, four, five, six, it just feels arbitrary and neat. And then you look at the standings at the end of the year, and they are never neat. There are people tied. There are three or four teams separated by one game. So lots of stuff can happen here. I think the break is either after three or four. Is UCLA going to go with the bottom of the league? There's no expectations for Arizona. They're going to be pick six. Whatever they do, there's no expectations for. Start slow, rebuild. You get what you get. Colorado's going to be five and UCLA's going to be four. I have read some things that there are people who think Chip Kelly finally has his guys. He built the roster he wants, and they're going to deliver. Now, there are plenty of people thinking Chip's never going to get it going. The college football has changed since he dominated at Oregon. He doesn't have some of the <clears throat> advantages that he had at Oregon. Recruiting, people doing the dirty work. But he also doesn't have the schematic advantages. The stuff he was doing that was cutting edge then isn't cutting edge anymore. So there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of debate about how good they will or won't be. But they've got guys who've been in the program now for a while. So, last year was a weird year, but UCLA went 3-4. and four. And now to go at least 2-1 and one this year. Uh, they're playing LSU, so, okay. But Hawaii and Fresno go 2-1 and one in the non-conference, jump into the league, They ought to get the bowl eligibility, so pick them fourth. If you're a Ute fan and you're Matt Murbach, who just tweeted at us, they're going to be picked first in the South. It's possible. I don't think there's much... I don't think there's much uh, separation between USC, Arizona State, and Utah right now. They all have questions. Now we get to the end of the year, somebody can win the division by two or three games. Injuries matter. Things start falling apart early. Teams can fall. We've seen that. One or two big losses are in the year. Seasons can unravel. But as they sit here right now, it doesn't seem obvious that that's going to happen. It may well play out that way, but it doesn't seem obvious. So ASU, Utah, USC, you're thinking, yes, we've got our team. We're going to win the division. This is our year. Yeah, you can believe going in. Absolutely. I don't think they're going to be picked there. It was USC playing in the conference title game, and they got their, they got their quarterback back. It's going to be USC again. Sun Devil and you fans can just hope that that coaching staff stumbles all over itself. 
USC fans are so bitter with that coaching staff right now. Even one loss. They're going to spend the first half of the season waiting for one loss. They will not get their hopes up unless they get halfway through the season undefeated. It's just, they, they want to change. They, at USC, they want their glamour. And they don't think Clay Helton's going to get it done. They got a schedule to get it done. They're going to be favored out of the gate against San Jose State, Stanford, Washington State, Oregon State. Should be 4-0 going to Colorado, which means they ought to be 5-0 when they come to Utah. Excuse me, when Utah goes to USC, it's down there in L.A. this year. October 9th. I know, last year just doesn't register. And I get why they're doing it. Just stay with the alternate every year, and you win some, you lose some, and blah, blah, blah. 2020 was just I know, but I forgot they were here. It's like, you're used to that. Remember that night and USC, and it was packed, and it was crazy, and it was, no, it wasn't any of those things. It was weird. It was just weird. But the Utes get them two weeks before they go to Notre Dame. Conference gave them a bye week for Notre Dame. Is the conference scheduling differently this year? I like it. Said that. Set, the t- set some teams up to have some success and make a national impact. Stop making teams play on the road on Saturday and on the road on Friday. Just make stuff a little harder. What are you doing? Give them a bye before Notre Dame. Get them healthy. Get them geared up for the trip back there. Notre Dame's turned into a, a second tier. The top tier is Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. The next tier is Notre Dame. Oklahoma, Georgia. Teams who go to the playoffs and lose in the semifinals. But Notre Dame's a top 10 program now. Not quite the elite speed, but everything else. So set USC up. Pac-12 is the best third tier. Captain Cody tweets at us, Utah should be picked last. Captain Cody, you're just being mean. It says St. George on his handle here, so I'm going to give everyone in southern Utah a pass. That looked like a brutal day yesterday. There was a lot of rain. There was a lot of flooding. Captain Cody, I'm just thinking you're in a bad mood. You're not being picked last behind Arizona. Had a horrific coaching hire. Everything went south. They lost to the rivals 70-7. to They didn't win a game last year. They got a new coach. Arizona's getting picked last. Come on, Captain Cody. You're just trying to just trying to hurt people's feelings. The artist formerly known as Dance Dad says I'd pick the youth second in the South, but if they're third, it wouldn't surprise me. ASU could be great or could be a dumpster fire. SC should be really good with halfway competent coaching. <laughs> Clay Helton. Yeah, congratulations. You went 15 and 0, but you're a mess and you're just carried by your players. I don't think Clay Helton can win. I mean, congrats on the national championship, but it just means we're stuck with you for a couple more years. We've had Ryan Abraham on, and he's kind of indicated that's what the fan base's mentality is. Yes. At 15-0, I think the SUSC fans could get over themselves. But at 13-0, they'll just be complaining about a probable semifinal blowout. The truth is nobody, uh, nobody, almost nobody, Goes undefeated in the Pac-12. PK's quoted the numbers across the decades. Different coaches, different ADs, different quarterbacks, different Heisman Trophy winners, different schools, different eras, different rules, different postseasons. And the constant is, it's almost impossible to go undefeated through the Pac-12. So they're going to lose a game. And when you have that kind of 
doubt build in, everyone goes nuts because you lose one game. The first half of the season stacks up nicely for USC. They do have to play three road games in four weeks. At Notre Dame, home to Arizona, at ASU, at Cal. Now, you don't think they should lose those games, but PK's famous for saying there's always a head-scratcher. College kids don't usually travel that well. They got the bye to get ready for Notre Dame, which is great, but then three road games in four weeks. Back-to-back at ASU and Cal. Cal, they've been softened up for you. If you don't get it done, it's a you problem. For Ute fans, it feels like the Pac-12 South will be decided in mid-October. We got the run-up here to the season. Weber State at home at BYU. San Diego State in a neutral field in Carson, California, up in L.A. Probably will be more, at least as many, if not more Utah fans and San Diego State fans. San Diego State's building a new stadium, so they're playing up there for two years. And last year, there was nobody at game. So we'll see how many people they can get to travel up there, how many people they can bus up there, how many alums in the area will drift over towards the stadium. Then it's into league play with Washington State at home. So Utah, 4-0, USC, 5-0, because the Utes have a bye before their trip to USC. The Utes will be favored in each of those first four games. There's no reason that you shouldn't be 4-0. And then it's at USC, home to ASU, and at that point, we ought to have a pretty good idea. If the Utes get through that, then the preseason poll that comes out later today that I think will happen at number two, well, they'll, they'll be the lead dog. If they get through that, 6-0, having beat the top two teams in the South. Breaking news. You got it? It's out. It always comes out early, and they are still an hour and a half in front of the start of me today. Because PK and Jake will ramp it up right from the get-go. It's you know, obviously an hour time difference, so they take over at 9 a.m. here on The Zone and go through the rest of our show and through Scotty and Hans's show. And then I think Scott will be doing the wrapping it up late in the day with, uh, with Gordon, with Jake gone. Correct. So- All right. USC. Let's unveil it. Start in the north. I'm going to say they picked Oregon number one. Correct. Oregon number one, so 30, then, 38 first place votes. And then Washington number two. Washington number two with two first place votes. See, it seems like that shouldn't be 38 to two. It seems like that that's pretty clear cut. Oregon, 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 Oregon. Now, Oregon's recruiting classes. My gosh. They have just been flooded. But I, I also think that the whole recruiting rankings, everyone's going to be five years behind the curve on this. They're going to catch up. But transfers change everything. The guy's leaving early for the NFL. Change everything. All right, Oregon 38 to 2. Third place, this gets a little dicey here. Historically, it's been Stanford, but Stanford has this been down. A little, little bit of a I'm gonna, Oh, it is. So I shouldn't go Stanford. You shouldn't have given me the hint. Should I go Cal then? Cal. All right. The Golden Bears, number three, Stanford. You know, I think people are looking at that defense, and if they... No, I won't. I'll stop. And that's, <laughs> so Stanford comes in number four. Of course. And then Wazoo, five, and Oregon State, six. Flip those. Oregon oh! State, five, Washington State, So it's like State three six. groups of two. Sure. And I got the first two right, although I thought it would be way closer than that. 
And then I flipped three and four wrong and five and six wrong. I mean, you gave me the hint, but let's be honest, I would have gotten that wrong. Now for the fun one. In the South, USC is the top dog. Am I right? Pac-12, this is it. Pac-12 media poll is out, people. Correct. South Division, USC, 27 first place votes, 223 points overall. Really? Mm -hmm. And Utah second? Utah second, six first place votes, 183 points. Number three? ASU. With also six first place votes, becoming with 170 points. Yeah, it was close. So close, yeah. I thought it would be. Now here's an interesting one. Who do you think is number four? I think it's UCLA. Is it going to be Colorado off their success last year? Because I think it should be UCLA. You got it. UCLA, the Bruins, they actually got a first place vote in all of this. Ah, one Bruin fan with a ballot making a statement. Apparently so. And then bringing up the Colorado rear. five. Nobody Where? believes in Colorado. Nobody believes in Carl Durrell. And number six. I guarded Carl Durrell once. <laughs> Arizona coming up, coming up in the rear. Yeah. That, I mean, Arizona six was the easiest pick. Of the whole thing. Good luck, Wildcats. You're going to need it. Cool to have no expectations. And there it is. We also have the all Pac-12 conference uh, preseason teams that are out as well. Who are the youths who are honored? On the first team offense, you have got Nick Ford as offensive lineman. Pretty clear-cut choice there. Second team, Britton Covey was picked as a wide receiver, as well as Sataoa Laumea from the offensive line. Defensively, you have Mika Tafua, defensive lineman, Devin Lloyd, linebacker, both first-team selections. And on the second team, nobody for Utah. So, Well, yeah. nobody, huh? Well, Nick Ford, Britton Covey. Wouldn't be surprised if you hear a lot from them this year. Let's see how that plays out this fall. Wouldn't be surprised if you hear a lot from them this year. Just leave that out there. All right, you can hit us up with your predictions, where you think the Utes uh, should be, whether you agree with that or not. Uh, there are a couple other things to pass along here. And let me, uh, hold on, I'm going to, Retweet that for you. So if you want to, if you want to ponder those preseason polls, you fans, I just uh, retweeted it. So go crazy and sit there and stare at that. It's uh, now it's all over Twitter. So Dan Wetzel, uh, one of the national college football guys, did a uh, did a podcast, and for all of you wondering what is going to happen with conference realignment. And uh, where this is going. He says the Big Ten has little to no appetite for expansion. What is the Big Ten going to do to answer the SEC's move? Does the Big Ten get aggressive and go out there? The problem is that incrementally, there is not much to be done. Everybody's falling behind the SEC. And the moves you make can make the conference bigger, but are they going to bring in more money? Are they going to help you catch the SEC? When the SEC's at in Oklahoma and Texas, there are no brand names like that. They're just going to pull away. They're going to have more money. They're going to pay off coaches who lose 
and hire away your coach who's either winning or might possibly win. I don't know if Mel Tucker proved anything at Colorado, but he might possibly win, so Michigan State hired him away. The Big Ten can pack, can uh, poach Pac-12 coaches. They've got the money, and that ought to stress out Pac-12 fans. It doesn't, though, because Pac-12 fans aren't that hardcore. So it stresses out a few of the hardcores. But a lot of people are, uh, uh, that wasn't good. Oh, well. The worst-case scenario for Ute fans is that the and there are media members throwing this out there, that the Big Ten ought to poach the top of the Pac-12. And not the top of the standings, but the biggest markets, the biggest brand names. USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington. Or take six teams and take Stanford and Cal. All research institutions, all huge TV markets. Not necessarily the biggest fan bases. Looking at you, Stanford. But a lot of prestige with the name. Former Western Division and go nuts. Dan Witzel says, and I think this is the way to go, that that's not going to happen. You end up with a far-flung league. Are you really one league? Are you setting yourselves to break up down the road? What about, and talked to somebody yesterday who thought this was the way to go, what about a scheduling agreement? And Wetzel says that that's already being discussed. Reviving the schedule agreement with the Pac-12, set up a bunch of games, enhance your TV contract, give the network something that will make them more money. We're so used to looking in one area. And it's like, I think it's like a mine. Like this, this, this line of gold or silver, or this has been played out, we're done, as far as adding a bigger market. There are other ways to make your TV contract more valuable, to bring in more money. One of them is play better games. SEC toyed with it last year, and we all loved it. They played 10 conference games. It was a one-off. It was a pandemic. They didn't want their teams traveling all over the country. Wait, SEC teams never travel all over the country. That's hilarious. They want to control testing, make sure everything is like-minded, yada, yada. And they had to provide TV networks with good games. And they weren't sure other leagues were playing or when they were playing. So the easiest thing to do was to just provide them with good SEC games and play a 10-game schedule and get your payday. And they did it. And they got paid. Create more good games. If you're going to get to the playoff, you probably need to go to eight-game conference schedules. And that sucks. But the Pac-12, by requiring teams to play two Power 5 games, preferably against the Big Ten, can really enhance their TV deal. More good games. There are schools that aren't coming close to that. Arizona doesn't come close to that. ASU and Utah kind of flirt with it. ASU's had some big games. ASU scheduled Notre Dame. Other schedules haven't been as tough. You know, Utah plays BYU, so if BYU is good, then that game looks good on TV. If BYU isn't good, then who did the Utes play? You know, BYU had their 3-9 their, their and nine season. If BYU's got a 3-4 or four win team and they bottom out, 
the youth schedule is super soft. And they're already playing inside their own market. I mean, you might go play someone from the Big Ten who might have a down year. Well, BYU did it, right? They went and played Michigan State, and Michigan State was 3-9. and nine. But you play them early in the year, nobody knows it's a down year yet. And you're delivering huge TV markets. And you make the Pac-12 TV contract more valuable, you're putting big, big Den teams in, that, uh, in the later slots. Spreading them out all day long. So from what Wetzel is saying, it's already going this way. I think there are people who want it to go that way in the Pac-12. I was told there was a little fear. What happened in the Pac-12, or excuse me, what happened in the Big 12 can happen in other leagues. It happened to the Big East. It happened to the Big 12. The Pac-12 could get raided. Geography is a bit of an impediment. But it could be overcome. So get aggressive with the other stuff and keep the 12 together. And this is where it drives people nuts at times. You know, it's first and foremost an academic endeavor. And these are all research institutions. And we're like-minded. And we'll stay. So to a degree, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 can look at this SEC expansion. And they can say, well, we're not like the SEC. We do things differently. And take pride in it. From the campus leadership to the faculty to the athletic department, everybody can get on that page. Now, it may frustrate the fans who want this to turn into something semi-professional, which I think we're already pretty well on the way to something semi-professional. They're just not hitting the gas as fast as the SEC. There was a time when it was outrageous the SEC was paying coaches 3 and $4 million. Well, now the Pac-12 is paying coaches 3 and $4 million. But the SEC is paying coaches 6 7 8 9 is Nick getting to 10? He isn't. He will. So don't pretend like you're all that different than the SEC. You're just up the track a little bit from the SEC. They're the lead dog. And if you're not the lead dog, then the view never changes. I'll let you play out that analogy, that metaphor, that simile, whatever it is, on your own. But view the Iditarod, people. If you're not the lead dog, the view never changes. And the SEC is the lead dog. But this is where the Big Ten and the Pac-12 can say, we do things different. And we're going to do the scheduling agreement, and we're going to have 10 rock-solid games. And the Pac-12, which not as many people live in this part of the country, we are going to play mostly Big Ten, not everybody, mostly Big Ten teams. Utah's got their games with Florida and Arkansas already set, and they'll play those. And obviously, USC and Stanford want to keep playing Notre Dame. But there'll be a lot of games all across the Big Ten with the Pac-12. That needs to be the deal cut going forward. And then you need to make the TV networks bid on it so you get every last dollar out of it. Say, this is what we're going to provide. What's it worth to you? And you got competition now. And that should help the Pac-12. CBS, Fox, and then an ABC-ESPN combo, you got three bidders. And we'll get to this next. The craziest thing I was told yesterday, well, I don't know if it's crazy. It was the most outside-the-box thing that I hadn't really considered. Um, I was told this is what the Pac-12 should do. And they should do it because they have to be aggressive in every way possible that keeps the league together. Because for the teams that are going to be left behind, and nobody's sure who that is, because they don't know if four, six, eight, how would this work out? There are all kinds of things thrown out. You start brainstorming. 
And there are no bad ideas. Tell me what you hear. Well, you hear a lot of ideas. And I'll tell you some of the ideas I've, I've heard and the reaction to some of them. And we'll do that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. There are a couple of reasons that I didn't become a doctor. Same reasons you what, didn't become what? a paleontologist. No, why do you crack a smile and well, then make just, a joke? I'm just saying, like, yeah, there's a couple of reasons I wasn't a lawyer. Number one, the LSAT scared me. Number two, I thought I'd fail miserably. And number three, I didn't think I was smart enough. So, yeah, there are just a couple of reasons why I didn't become a lawyer. Can I make a point without you attacking me? I'm not attacking you. Like, you've never talked about wanting to be a doctor before. To me, this seems like you were just right on the cusp of going to medical school. And then just these one or two little things came up and made you think, no, I'm not going to do that. Doctor. 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 Can you not attack me? You know, it bugs me when you do that. Doctor. 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 Stop playing that. And doctor. Well, we miss anyone? Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. PK, reminding you, the Top 1660 is back in the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty announce another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's Top 1660 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness right here on the Zone Sports Network. So if you missed it earlier in the show, we were talking about the charade, the little, uh, the little elementary school play that the uh, SEC has going. They're going to have a meeting Thursday. And they're going to discuss expansion and whether to add Texas and Oklahoma. Oh, good grief. Just go ahead and add them. You, can do, you don't even need Zoom for that. You can do that over a phone call. It's done. You've been negotiating it for months. No wonder the SEC was on board with a 12-team playoff. They're planning on getting at least four, if not five, six, or seven teams into that. I get why you want to add Texas and Oklahoma. They have a lot of fans. They have brand names that are powerful. But the bigger this, these leagues get, the more they're just adding bad teams. Now Oklahoma's been a semifinalist, so they're not a bad team. Texas has been mediocre, underachieved by their standards. They're not just bad, they've been awful. But of the bigger leagues, every time you add a couple more teams, you know what you do when you go from 14 to 16? You create two eighth-place teams. You push teams down more. There's only going to be two first-place teams, only going to be two second-place teams. I think there's diminishing returns as you keep expanding. And Dan Wetzel, on his podcast, he writes for Yahoo, has access to conference commissioners and powerful ADs and all that, and he says, hearing little to no interest in expansion from Big Ten sources. No need to make a move. There is talk of a scheduling agreement with the Pac-12, a rotation of non-con games. No, Ohio State and Michigan aren't leaving. Well, if you root for Utah, or quite frankly, any of the teams in the Pac-12 that aren't right on the Pacific Coast, you got to be happy about that. The last thing you need is the Big 12 thing in, excuse me, the Big 10. Man, this is complicated. be happy when the Big 12 is less than an issue. I'll do this less. The last thing you need is the Big 10 thing, and we got to become a mega conference. we got to merge the Big 10 and the 
and the Pac-12. And there are plenty of voices out there saying, get USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington. Maybe take Stanford and Cal. That's outside the box thinking. But there's still only going to be one Big Ten champion. And someone, someone is going to have to finish 15th, 16th, 17th. And I don't see the value in that. But what do I know? All these teams, all these conferences keep adding teams. We've gone from 18 leagues to 9 to 10 to 12, and now we're going to 14 and 16. And if Notre Dame wants to join the ACC, will add them. If Notre Dame wants to join the Big Ten, will add them. And I was told the Big Ten should definitely make a push and figure out how to get to Notre Dame. They have to. That's If they're going to move the needle, you can't just add Kansas and Iowa State and thinking that you're moving the needle and catching the SEC. It's not how it works. So for the Pac-12, to create more value, go to eight conference games, play two big non-conference games, play a steady diet of the Big Ten. When Chris Hill was AD at the University of Utah, they had the home-and-home with Michigan and didn't play BYU. And it was a big deal that they didn't play BYU. Now, it was just two years, and one year they ended up playing them in the Las Vegas Bowl. So really, it was only one year they didn't play. But the other half of the equation was they got to play Michigan. That was the tip of the iceberg as the schools and the conferences discussed a scheduling agreement. And people were thrilled to see Michigan come in here. The stadium was packed. People were going nuts. And the youths really loved it because they won. And then they went back there and won the next year. So they loved it. Now, not everybody gets to play the brand name Michigan. But not everybody wants to. You need more games that have a lot of eyeballs on them. And there are more eyeballs in that part of the country than in this part of the country. So play those teams. And if you have to go to eight league games, you probably ought to go to eight league games for the playoff anyway. And your TV deal will be worth more. And the boldest thing I was told yesterday was, get your lawyers and examine the possibility of the Big Ten and the Pac-12 creating the scheduling agreement. And everybody isn't going to play two games, even with an eight-game conference schedule, because Notre Dame and Stanford, excuse me, uh, Notre Dame and Stanford are going to play, Notre Dame and USC are going to play. And the Utes have their Florida series, and I want to give that up. And some other schools have other series too. But you could do 14, 16, maybe 18 games a year with the Big Ten. And because of that, it could be the, and man, we're, I'm getting way over my skis here because I had zero plans to go to law school. I didn't, I wasn't pre-law. I didn't go anywhere near any of that stuff. But I've been told that with that scheduling agreement in place, you could put the conference bids out together as kind of a consortium, conglomerate, and that you wouldn't get hit. And trust me, I can't verify this. If you're a lawyer, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter. But that they could then put it out and put it out to bid as one conference, even though they're not. They wouldn't have to worry about antitrust because they don't have a monopoly. They still aren't the biggest kid on the block. (laughs) You got the SEC and the ACC to kind of shield you from those charges. And that that would make you more valuable. All the networks would have to come for you then. And they would have to bring their wallets. Bring the checkbook. Bring that gold card. Now that is bold. I had not heard that before, and I don't know if that had to stand up to a legal challenge or not. 
But man, when I heard that, I thought, that's different. You can't keep playing the same game. We're going to add these two schools, and they're going to bring a lot more value. Colorado and Utah brought value, but not a lot more value. They brought a little more value. Oklahoma and Texas will probably bring a lot more value. It's worth having eighth-place teams. You're going to have the two big dogs in Texas. The whole SEC is thinking, we are going to recruit Texas. We're already doing pretty well there. We're going to do awesome there now. we got Texas and Texas A&M. So I get why they're doing that. But there's nobody else to do that. I've heard all, the, all kinds of speculation. The only, move, the only team the Big Ten can add that really moves the needle is Notre Dame. I've heard the speculation they'll raid the ACC again. They went and got Maryland. And then they'll go and get North Carolina and keep going down the coast. What do North Carolina and Nebraska have in common? Do they really need to be in the same league? And if there's a little bit of fear in the Pac-12, I get it. If you're Oregon State or Washington State or Arizona, if there's some kind of merger or plucking of teams from the Pac-12, you're not going to be included. You're going to be left behind for sure. And I've heard plenty of stuff thrown out there. Because people are just randomly brainstorming. None of this stuff may have legs. But Oklahoma and Texas has panicked everybody in college football. So everybody's brainstorming. Now, it's an idea that won't happen. Might not even ever come anywhere near happening. But when you're brainstorming, there are no bad ideas. So, well, you could have two A-team divisions. You could have two 10-team divisions. The best of the... Big 10 and the best of the Pac-12 leave and do their own thing. Or 12 in Big 10 country and 8 in Pac-12. You know, you can come up with all kinds of permutations because you're just writing on the back of a napkin, scribbling things out. But that ought to freak people out because you you know who's left out for sure and if they're only taking six teams, then uh uh-oh, Utah, Colorado, Arizona State. Everybody can look around like, well, I, I mean, we might be okay, but we might not be okay. I think this other stuff, I think you got to go in another direction here. And this other stuff, there isn't all the collateral damage, right? You're not breaking up all these long-term partnerships and revealing yourself to be the money, the money-grubbing capitalist that you are. Far easier to do the scheduling agreement, do the consortium, and put your conference TV bid out together. Now, that's going to require some teams to upgrade their conferences. Some of these youth schedules are going to look harder, but some of the youth schedules already look harder going forward. Arizona's going to have to upgrade their schedule, and Oregon State or whatever. Well, you're going to have to do it. And some of you are already doing it. Stanford's already been scheduling Northwestern. Oregon and Washington have already been scheduling Michigan and Ohio State. So you're doing it, and you're not getting the full value for it. Really capitalize on it. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Brett McMurphy, National College Football Insider and writer for Stadium Network, joins us at 8.30. Stay with us.